Thank you for listening to a student ministry sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about the student ministry or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com. And now, here's this week's student ministry sermon. Well, good evening. That I what happened up here earlier? I was not expecting that. That kind of made my night a little bit. I was really impressed by that. That was awesome. Um, so we, as we, as I said earlier, we are talking this semester about being all in. In our, in our seventh grade girls connection group last week, we talked about some different things that that students were all in for, like things like volleyball and school, and and what that meant to be all in for those. And it was things like. You go to practice all the time, you study really hard, and you devote all this time to it, and, and, you, and nothing else gets in the way of that, that that's what it means to be all in. And so this semester, we're looking at what does it look like for us to be all in for Jesus, that, that nothing else takes that place, that nothing else takes that priority. So tonight, we're looking at presence, about being, experiencing the presence of God, and presence of God has always been kind of like a weird thing for me, something that I didn't really, like, totally understand. I remember being in high school, and my youth minister would, you know, super spiritual, which is a good thing for him to be, and he would say things like, do you feel the presence of God? Do you, can you, are you experiencing the presence of God? And all my friends would be like, yes, yes, I do. I, I feel it, and I would be like, yeah, totally, yeah, uh, yeah, I am, right? Like, are we looking for something? Or is like, am I supposed to feel something? Like, I just didn't get it. I felt like everybody else was completely, like, tracking. And I was like, yeah, presence of God. All in, got it. I have no clue what's going on. That's what I felt like was happening. Kind of reminds me of, there's this time, um, I have this sister. She's awesome. Her name is Lily. She's 18 years younger than me, which means she's like two years old now, right? Just kidding. Not really. Um, But when she was five years old, I remember I was having dinner at my parents' house, and Lily was five, like I said, and she kept talking about her friend Lena, and she was like, oh yeah, Lena's coming over for dinner, and Lena's gonna come play tonight, and Lena was, she was really bad at school today, and, but I was like, cool, like, my sister is a friend. It's like her first real friend. That's so cool. That's awesome. I mean, it's weird. Like, do five-year-olds, like, go to other five-year-olds' houses for dinner? Are you like, peace out, mom. I got plans tonight. Can't eat your food. I was like, okay, whatever. She's coming over for dinner. No big deal. So we sit down. We're about to eat, and my dad prays, and he's like, okay, let's eat. And I'm like, wait, are, like, isn't Lena coming? Are we waiting on Lena? And Lily said, "Uh uh-huh, she's right here. She's sitting right here in this empty chair. I was like, okay, I get it, Lena. Lena's one of those friends, and everybody thinks you're crazy, but you can see her, cool. All right, so I'm like, that's cool. I'll play along. My sister has an imaginary friend. That's cool. Maybe I'll, you know, torture her with it later, but that's cool. So I was like, oh, hey, Lena. How you doing? And my sister was like, oh, she's good. She's good. She got a, she had a bad day at school, but she's doing okay, and I was like, cool, so I was like, okay, I'm really going to play this up, like, I'm going to be a super cool sister, so I was like, Lena, do you want some mashed potatoes, and my sister goes, 
Maggie, she's not real. She can't eat mashed potatoes. I was like, yeah, I'm the idiot here. Yep, okay. Sorry, I thought your imaginary friend could eat mashed potatoes, but of course, I'm obviously the crazy one for thinking that. So that's kind of how I felt about the presence of God. It's, it's like all these people are seeing it or experiencing it or feeling it or something, but I had no clue. Like I felt like I was on the outside and didn't really understand it. And so I kind of started to get it once I realized that the, that the presence of God is not something that we find through seeing or hearing, but the presence of God is something that we find through experiencing. And the way that we know that the presence of God exists is because we experience the fruit of it. We experience the benefit of being in the presence of God. And tonight we're going to look at Psalm 139. If you're looking for a passage or something to memorize or to just learn, if you never read the Bible before and you want to read something, read Psalm 139. It's incredible. It's probably one of the most transformative passages of Scripture in my life because it talks about who we are and who God is to us. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Psalm 139 lists different things that are the fruit of being and experiencing the presence of God. So we're going to walk through those tonight. I want you to um, follow along on the screen, unless you have a Bible with you. If you have a Bible, turn to Psalm 139, but I'm going to be jumping around a little bit, so um, just follow along with me. Um, we're in verse, we're going to start in verse 1 and go through 4 and then jump down to 13 and 14. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. The presence of God offers us identity. The presence of God shows us who we are. It shows us that from day one, David says, God, you knit me together in my mother's womb. That from day one, our lives have been intermingled with the presence of God. That he has been there from before we even knew we existed. He has been there, and he has created our identity. Raise your hand if you've ever felt, you've ever said this, or if you've ever felt like God is distant, or God is not near, or you don't, you don't experience the presence of God because he's far off. Raise your hand if you've ever felt that. It's okay, I felt that. I think we all have at some point. When we feel that way, when we feel that the presence of God is not near to us, that's a problem with us. That's not a problem with the presence of God. Because we see here that the presence of God has been with us and surrounding us from our day one. So the problem when we don't feel her, we don't think he's near, is because we don't know that our identity is rooted in that. We look for identity in a ton of different things, usually good things. Like, nobody... 
Nobody's like wants to find their identity in something bad. Nobody's like, hey, my name's Maggie. I'm a drug dealer, so that's who I am. Or hi, I'm Maggie. I'm a murderer. Just want you to know that's my identity. Nobody looks for their identity and stuff like that. That's crazy. We look for identity in stuff that isn't bad, stuff like school, like I'm Maggie. I'm a straight-A student. Or I'm Maggie. I'm the stud running back, which would never be true. Trust me. Um, I'm Maggie. I can sing better than anybody in the school or something like that. We look for identity and stuff that isn't necessarily bad things, but stuff that doesn't define us. Or maybe we even go a step further and we try to identify ourselves in things that are really, really good. Like, we, we want to be the person that is at every single D group meeting, or we want to be the one who goes on the most mission trips, or we want to be the one that knows the most scripture, things like that. Even those things, that's not our identity. That's not how we experience the presence of God. Those things prepare us to experience the presence of God. But think about it. If all those things are stripped away, if at the end of the day there's no more D group, there's no more believe, there's no more move, there's no more church or echo, if at the end of the day there's nothing left, then you haven't experienced the presence of God. But at the end of the day, if it's you and Jesus in relationship, when all that's stripped away, amen, that's it. That's what our identity is rooted in. Our identity comes from experiencing the presence of God, not from doing the things that prepare us to experience it. In Luke 2, there's a story about um, a, not Luke 2, Luke 8, I think, 10, I don't I wrote it down wrong. Um, in Luke, there's a story about these two sisters. Their names are Martha and Mary. And they um, are getting ready because Jesus is at their house. And so Martha is in the kitchen and she's cooking and cleaning and she's doing all of these things, preparing to get ready to experience Jesus. And then there's Mary, who's in the living room experiencing Jesus because he's there and she's talking to him. And not many people get the chance to experience Jesus, so she's taking advantage of it. And Martha's really mad about this. She's like, Jesus, excuse me, hello, do you see my bratty little sister? Like, I'm in here cooking and cleaning and getting everything ready, and my sister's just in there not doing anything. And Jesus says, girl, she made the right choice. Because she's not just living her life. She's not just finding her identity and doing all these things to prepare to experience the presence of God. She's actually experiencing the presence of God. That's where we find our identity. Let's keep going. Verses 5 and 6. I love this. David says, You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me too lofty for me to attain. The presence of God offers us protection. I don't think there's any greater mental word picture in scripture than this, at least for me. Because he says, God, you hem me in behind and before. When I think about this, I think of those big inflatable Zorb things, you know, that you like crawl inside and you can like you know, float on water or run into things and it doesn't matter. You could be dropped off like a two-story building and probably be fine if you're in that because it couldn't harm you. The presence of God offers us protection. The presence of God does not ensure that suffering will not come, but it ensures that there will be protection in the midst of it. 
When you are experiencing the presence of God, it doesn't mean that your parents aren't going to get divorced. It doesn't mean your family's not going to fall apart. It doesn't mean that your heart is not going to break. It doesn't mean that you're not going to experience something traumatic in life. It doesn't mean that because that stuff's going to happen. But when you are hemmed in by the creator of the universe, it means that those things, they can't end you. And they cannot overcome you. Because the one that conquered the grave is hemming you in behind and before. Because the presence of God is with you. The presence of God doesn't ensure that suffering won't happen. But it does ensure protection is in the midst of it. Let's look at verses 7 through 10. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. God has, the presence of God offers us companionship. God has created us so brilliantly and so perfectly he created us as individuals who have this emptiness this emptiness that creates a desire for it to be filled we have a desire to be made whole to be completed the thing that's so brilliant about that is he created that in us and he himself is the very one who is able to fill that when we experience the presence of God, we have a companionship that is far greater than anything that any other person or thing in this world could bring to us. But the problem comes when we fill that void with something that doesn't belong there. I'm not just talking about unhealthy relationships or guys or girls that are really terrible for you. I'm talking about any kind of relationship. I love my husband. I have an incredible marriage. I have an super healthy relationship with my husband. Even he, he is not the one that fulfills me. He does not complete me. He does not make me whole because that spot has been already taken. That spot is reserved. So here's the thing. When you have a desire to be made complete and to be made whole, when you have a desire for a relationship that is greater than yourself, don't fight that because that is holy. That is a natural good thing. However, do fight the temptation to fill that void with something that doesn't belong there. I don't care what relationship, I don't care what person, I don't care how holy or healthy you think that relationship is. That place has already been taken by the creator of the universe. And to fill it with anyone less than that is a tragedy and will only end in heartbreak and will only end in shame. Because when that place is filled by anything other than God, you can't fully experience his presence. You will not fully experience the companionship that comes from him. The presence of God offers a companionship that fulfills even our deepest desire to be known and loved, but it can only do so when there's no other relationship occupying that space. 
These things, identity, protection, companionship, this is the fruit of being in the presence of God. There are benefits, there are gifts, there are blessings that come when we are able to let go of the things that want to fill our time and our day or that take our eyes off of the cross. The presence of God offers so much more than we could ever have from anything else. I want to tell you a story about um, Brad and Kelly Barmore. If you know Brad, he's back here in the front of the house, working the lights and sounds and stuff. I don't know what he does, something back there. Um, so I love watching. Brad and his wife, Kelly, are good friends of ours, and they have a little girl named Lainey. And Lainey's almost two, and when you're almost two, I think that means that you're crazy. I think that's science, right? Moms and dads out there, that means you're crazy. Um, and Lainey is awesome. She's crazy. She's a runner. So I love watching them on Sunday mornings in the lobby over here. If you've been over here on a Sunday morning, you know the lobby's crazy. There are people everywhere. There's so much going on. It's just mass chaos over there. But my favorite thing to do is watch Brad and Kelly and Lainey because Brad will be holding Lainey and he'll set her down. And like I said, she's a runner. So she'll just take off running in whatever direction she wants to go. Amidst all these people, she's like this tall, and all the other people are like this tall, and she's just weaving in and out, and it's crazy. So she will run as fast as she can towards who knows what she's running for. But I love to watch her the moment that she gets as far as she feels like she can go. Because in that moment, she knows that whatever she is running to Whatever thing that she is desiring that's so far over here away from her parents that it's just not worth it anymore, that it's taking her to a place that she doesn't want to be. And so I love it because she'll turn and she'll lock eyes with Brad and she will run as fast as she can back to him. The reason that Lainey does that is this. Lainey knows that there is no place in the world that is safer, that is more loving, that is more perfect, that is more fulfilling for her than to be in the presence of her father. So I don't know what it is for you. I don't know what you're holding on to. I don't know what it is in your schedule or your day or in your heart that you are clinging to. I don't know what it is that is keeping you from experiencing the presence of God. But whatever it is, let me make this promise to you. There is nothing in the world, there is no relationship, there is no thing, there is no addiction, there is nothing in the world that is better or more perfect than being in the presence of your Father. It's time to let those things go. It's time to come running back to the place that offers you an identity, to the place that offers you protection, and to the one that offers you a relationship. It's time to let it go, and it's time to run back to the presence of your Father. Let's pray. Father, your presence is unlike any other thing we can experience. Father, it offers us more than we could ever 
ever get from anything else or anyone else. And God, I pray that tonight you would allow us to let go of the things that we are clinging to that are holding us back from being in that place. We love you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to a student ministry sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about the student ministry or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com. Dot com.